بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله محمد وعلى آله وصحابه المعين أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أفلا ينظرون إلى الإبل كيف خلقت وإلى السماء كيف رفعت وإلى الجبال كيف نصبت وإلى الأرض كيف سطحت وقال تعالى ألم ألم نجعل له عينين ولسانا وشفتين ألم نجعل له عينين ولسانا وشفتين وهديناه النجدين ثم جبرد سنسيت إن شاء الله نقول تو يسبيك دفاعيونس يستاك عندني في هالكوشنس so you can ask إن شاء الله so الحمد لله إنه it is very important that the people and especially the students you know they travel and then and then see the other parts of the world or other cities and then they meet people it's very important uh so alhamdulillah you know the students from assalam institute uh, in london they came with the ustad akhlaq from london to oxford to see the university of oxford uh, different departments and the colleges and oxford center of islamic studies and also you know to meet the students here so this is a very important thing it is very important uh, aspect of learning and that i want to emphasize and then inshallah you can ask questions the way allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this world that he has given us all of us you know those faculties which are sources of the knowledge so the way we get the knowledge is you know by seeing so when you see something you get knowledge Sometimes you get the knowledge by hearing. You hear something, you get the knowledge. Like I'm talking to you, to you listen, and you get the knowledge. And there are other faculties as well, like people smell, then they get some knowledge. People taste, they get the knowledge. People touch something, they get the knowledge. So these are the five senses. People get the knowledge through five senses. These are the main source of sources of the knowledge. There's no other source. Truth of the matter, in this world, you know, sources that Allah has made for the people to learn, to know something, are only five. Five senses through which people learn something. Then the people have been given the mind, reason, which, you know, gets information from these sources, process the information, analyze them, test them, improve them, develop them. So many things mind does. So mind is very important, but mind is not source of knowledge. If somebody has no eye, can he see with the mind? If you don't have eye, can you see with the mind? No. If you don't have hearing, can you hear with the mind? No. If you don't taste, if you don't have tongue, can you taste with the mind? Mind does not have any, mind does not actually generate any information. Understand properly. Mind does not produce any information. All the information in the world they only come through these five senses. Mind does not generate any knowledge, does not produce any information. What a mind does, receives the information through these senses, develops them, coordinates among them, improves them, tests them. You know, so many things mind does. But mind does not generate, it's not source of knowledge basically. Mind is not source of information. That's how Allah has made the people. The knowledge actually that Allah wants people to learn is which are what He has given around. 
you know, he created things and he wants you to see them, to hear about them, all those things, and then you become learned. That's how you learn. And that's how people have been learning, you know, because the, everything he created is on a true nature, that's true. So when you see it, when you analyze it, you get good information, true information. Whether you study about the you know, sky, about the moon, sun, about the plants. If you want to know about the plants, then observe them. You know, spend some time with them. See how they grow, you know, how much light they need, how much energy they need, anything. You study them and then you learn about them. So for every single thing in this world that Allah does, everything is, you know, created with some truth. And your effort should be to find out the truth. If you know the truth, you learn. That's what the knowledge is. What people do, human beings, they have ability to corrupt the truth. So what happens is, when they seek knowledge, sometimes they don't get enough information. But they still claim to know. So they corrupt. They teach you wrong things. Sometimes they have their own interest to teach wrong things. So people can corrupt the knowledge. But Allah did not create corruption on the face of the earth. Everything, if you want to get the truth, it is so clear. If people want to, they make effort and they get the true knowledge. But when the human interference comes, then lies come, distortion come. Like for example, a story, something happened in London. If you want to get the truth, go and find out, meet the people, understand you know, what happened. Then you get the knowledge and then present the truth as it is. But sometimes I have my own interest in changing the truth, in twisting it. So then I understand, but I present it differently. I can, I can affect it. The human being has power, ability to interfere with the truth, to change it, to affect it, to twist it. They do all the time this thing happening. But the, but the reality is not like that. Real world is different. It is true. So people need to understand the truth as much possible. Like you know, study in the University of Oxford and many, many universities. So the scientists here, the you know, main thing that they do really, observation. They make it, they want to observe, you know, all the phenomena in, in this world as they are. Sometimes they have, you know, full observation, sometimes partial. And then after that, they want to infer the truth as best as possible. If they do this, they will be successful. Sometimes they will not do, sometimes not, because you know, not every time you make effort, you get the result. But at least you made the effort. Somebody else will come, he will improve, find your mistakes, and keep improving. That's how the science works. But sometimes scientists have also their own agenda. So then they have to basically use the facts in a way and present a way to serve that agenda. So I have been given a task, huge money, to make you know, an application for a mobile phone. So people can buy more and more mobile phones. Something interesting, something new, nobody has got. As a scientist, I know really, this new application is going to destroy the humanity, is going to affect the new generation, it is going to make them lazy, it is going to you know, corrupt them. I know all those things. But my interest is not about the people, my interest is the money. I am working, I am getting money. So I will do all those wrong things. Why? Because I get the money. So people keep doing this thing all the time happening. All the learned people, they always interfere with the truth. They always have to distort the truth. Keep happening. Allah's way is, if you do this thing, you never can be guided. 
you have only one thing to find out the truth and follow it. You cannot create the truth. You cannot generate the truth. You cannot change the truth. You want, the truth is made by me. Nobody can change it. You have only one thing to do. Find out, follow it, you will be successful. But if you change it, misinterpret it, misguidance. But people always do this. All the time keep doing this thing. That's why Allah has to reveal the books. Otherwise, if people don't do this thing, there's no need for any book. You know, people's ability that people have been so good to guide the people. But people keep interfering. So that's why the messengers come, prophets come, books come to force people, to make people carry it. No, use your mind. Ibrahim opens his eyes. What he sees is his father has a business, makes money. How does he make money? He makes idols, sell them, make money. And he tells people, these idols are so great, you know, if you buy them, you ask them anything, they do for you. So people spend money, they buy. But Ibrahim can see really, how can they guide? How can they listen to you? So he says to his father, but these idols, they can't eat, they can't drink, you know, they can't harm, they can't benefit. They don't listen to you. They even don't see anything. So how they can, the father become angry? That no, you want to take away from my my business. You want to harm me and this thing and that thing. Big problem in the house between father and between the son. Because the son wants to know the truth and father wants to run business. So the interest is actually in conflict. This all the time keep happening in the history of the mankind. All the time. That's why we need people who are firm, sound, who never can be, you know, influence people like that. The books came. And Allah SWT keeps saying, these are the books. Learn them, prophets, learn from them. Then open your eyes. You see yourself. You know, somebody else said, this is a God. But you don't have mind. See, is the God or not? Then Ibrahim smashed all the idols to prove to the people. They are not gods. They could not defend themselves. They can't do anything. You open your Quran said, you know, don't, don't the people see that we gave them two eyes to see. So why don't you see with your eyes? Why do you want to see with somebody else's eyes? Somebody else said it is black. But you see it is red. It is red. So why you think no, it is black because somebody else said? Why don't you use your own eye? Why don't you smell yourself? Something has bad smell, then don't touch it. But you know, you say, no, no, I don't, I, I have bad smell. But everybody else say, use it. It must be something good. It is bad. You know, you see something wrong. But everybody does it, so you also do. It's not right. Use your mind. Use your eye. So the Quran said, you know, don't you see around? Open your eyes when you go. So when you, when people read books, it is good. No doubt people should read the books. Human books, non-human books. But try to understand human books are human influence. And human influence has many problems. Something will be true. Sometimes it will be false because they don't know maybe. And sometimes deliberately they are false. They want to distort you. So the way to find the truth is not only to read human books, read God's book, but also walk around, open your eyes, see the things. So now you came from London to Oxford, you see the city, something new, you see what people here have done, you meet the people, you learn from them, something maybe your teachers have been teaching certain way, when you discuss with the students here, and same thing they discuss in different way, you compare, you find out actually what is the truth is, 
at least you can see there are two ways to present the same thing. So now your mind will start asking, what is true way? Because you, if you learn only one way, so your mind never, never asks questions. But the same thing is presented by the people in two, three, four different ways. Then the mind will have pressure to find out what is the truth with all those things. So it is always good for the students to travel, to meet the people, to see the nature, to the, see the mountains, water, you know, everything, plants, study them properly because natural world is all true. Learn from them. Learn from, you know, don't only learn from the books, learn from the sky, learn from the rain, learn from the mountains, learn from the people, how people behave. You know, people, whatever they do, whatever influence they make, still they are made by God. Still they cannot change themselves. So you can learn from their behavior, the way they speak, the way they understand, you can learn so many things. So this is what you need to do really. Study is not easy. If people think study means to read the books and get what in it, it is not a study. A study basically is a long effort, hard work in order to find the truth. That sometimes comes by reading a book, sometimes it comes really by challenging the author. You challenge the author, no? The way you present is not right. You know, it does not answer the question properly. You did not demonstrate everything. 99% things you say make sense. But one person, this question, you did not do well. And I don't find any argument in, in your statement. This I cannot take from you. I have to discuss with somebody else because this is something wrong. All the time, your mind must be open. You must be able to ask questions. Because the human being, they, you know, their knowledge sometimes could have defect. Sometimes deliberately they want to misguide you. So if you don't open your mind, don't challenge, don't ask questions, you will be misguided. All the universities in the world, including Oxford University, why, they, why are there? They influence people. Influence is not always wrong, but they influence. You have to be ready to understand really, are you going to accept influence or not? Always keep your mind you know, awake. If some people want to influence you, you have to ask questions really. What they want to teach me and how they want to influence me, does it make sense or not? I have my own mind. Does it make sense to me or not? I have my own knowledge. I can actually teach them something. And I can raise questions like in the light of what I know. Sometimes it could be power that they have got an angle and you have another angle. They never knew your angle. You raise a question from your angle, it will make them to think. Like, you know, here in Oxford, I started my classes, uh, you know, teaching uh, Bukhari and all those things. So in most time, if you go to Madrasad in India and Pakistan in Saudi Arabia, people don't allow the women to come to the class. So if you go, you know, you don't find actually women learning Bukhari from men. It isn't happening. But Alhamdulillah, in Oxford, I allowed. Sometimes, you know, the students from, from the university used to come. They don't have head scarf or nothing. People said to me, you're teaching Bukhari for the women who don't have head scarf, don't cover their head and this and that. So I said, no, let the people learn. Then, you know, they will understand. So what happens is some of these girls, you know, they used to come to my class. And I never taught women. We only have been learning from the men and teaching the men. So, we, so what happens is sometimes I'm teaching Hadith, Quranic verses, and they ask a question which I never can think. So their question helped me to understand another angle. Because you know, when women study the same text, 
Sometimes their mind is different because you know they are women. So sometimes a verse comes, hadith comes, they think from different. So those questions helped me a lot. So it improved my understanding of the Quranic text. Then I understand the Prophet and, and Allah better. Because what happens if you don't know those questions, you read the Quran to interpret a kind of one way as you think. Though the Quran wants to teach something else, but you force the Quran to mean something else. Somebody else asks a question, women ask a question, then you think, oh, then this Quranic verse could not mean what I have been thinking. It could mean something else. And then you understand much better way. Do you see? So I have been, you know, as I learned from my teacher, actually I also learned from my students. So their questions helped me to understand even the Quran and Sunnah much better. These were students from University of Oxford, they were not, uh, you know, in Islamic studies. They're coming, they're, they're fresh. They're clever people. So they ask questions which make sense to me. So sometimes I had answer, sometimes I did not have answer. But at least it forced me to understand, to think more. And actually now, it really, I, I'm, I'm more open. And, I, and now I'm not in Russia to make, you know, any my own, you know, judgment or ruling about anything unless I understand, you know, all the aspects properly, as best as possible. I don't want to, you know, preach. What preacher do? They preach an idea. I want to be a teacher. What teacher do? Teacher present the, you know, all the facts as they are. Compare them, but let the people, you know, understand them properly. So their intention is different. Their intention is not to make people to follow them. So Alhamdulillah, I never had intention to make followers. This is a very bad way of teaching. The way of teaching is to explain, you know, present everything in right, you know, way, and then student can ask questions. They make a fact understand. Sometimes they agree with you, sometimes they differ. But still they love. That's why I call Sima Abu Hanifa, Rahmullah, in Islam. People say he's the best teacher. Reason is because his students differ from him more than anybody else. His two students, Abu Yusuf Muhammad, they differ from him in one-third of the madhab opinions. One-third. The reason not because he is not a good teacher. The reason not that he did not understand. The reason he really wants to them to understand. They take from him what they understand. So he allowed them to differ. That was that was good teaching. Because everybody has got mind. Everybody has got the faculties. Let them to think. And it's amazing that sometimes students can do much better than the teachers. That's how to. It is very important for the students that you know don't have one way of learning. Study the books, but different types of the books. Then use your all faculties, study the nature, ask questions, see how people behave, how people explain, how people think, how their mind works. It will be much more. if people only focus on the books, they fail in the life. It could be somebody studying Oxford, PhD. So I know really some people study in Oxford, PhD from there, men and women, they fell in love, they got married, but in the real life they fell. You see, both are from there, but in the real, reality is different. In the real life they fell. So you need to understand the reality as it is. So anyway, the reason I said all this is to encourage people to travel. To travel, to mix with the people, to see the nature. And in Islamic history, one of the important things used to be always for the students to travel. Khatib al-Baghdadi has written a book, Ar-Rihla fi Talabil Hadith. Traveling for the sake of the Hadith. So it was a big, big thing really. People used, even the women, because I wrote you know, such a huge book about the women, so I know even the women used to travel in order to seek the knowledge, to meet the people, to discuss with them, 
to get you know high is not learning all those things so when people you know move from one place to other place it is new experience new people meet new people new experience new learning new of thinking so people all the people never should be biased never think oh, i'm from oxford i know everything no it could be possible that you go somewhere to most stupid university in the world you go there you will learn something if your mind open even actually most stupid if you go to a farmer in a village in india you think oh these farmers don't know anything sit with them you'll find some wisdom there something which even on your subject maybe something which can help you to understand more but always make your mind open thinking so i don't want to take much more time just you know i started just to make your mind to work in that direction that how to think how to be independent basically in thinking understanding but if you have any questions please ask if you have any question ask you know don't cuz i i as you know one important way of learning is asking question quran says fasalu ahl dhikr in kuntum la ta'lam if you don't know ask those who know the prophet said sallallahu alaihi wasallam inma shifa'u al-'aliy as-su'al if you don't know then your cure is asking the question so asking question always helpful yeah you have question yeah can just say loudly so i can hear You know, first thing really is if people think there's any conflict between human knowledge and between divine knowledge, that is big mistake. God never can teach something different from what He has created, and He never created anything in the universe different from the truth. So, if Islamic knowledge is in conflict with the you know your natural knowledge that you learn with rational knowledge, then one of them is wrong. either what you used to think islamic is not islamic and what you think is rational is not rational one of them certainly wrong you know no you know to be something islamic what you think you know sometimes people think if an alim says something it is islamic no alim also can do mistake i am an alim is teaching i can do mistake even what you think in the quran it could what you understand it could be mistake you have to know it you have to study something different you have to compare you know many many people read the quran and i can see really how the problem happens i give you two examples you know to make your mind very clear that how even in the quran people can go so much wrong and maybe three examples i give okay one example is that people read the story of ibrahim alayhi salam that ibrahim said to his lord oh my lord show me how do you bring the dead alive kaifa tuhyil mauta how do you make the dead alive so then allah said to ibrahim khud arba'ata min at-tayr take four birds and then allah said fasur hunna many of the ulama they say what allah said to ibrahim 
then cut these four birds in pieces and then put these pieces on four different mountains so their pieces are dead and then call them now they will assemble together alive and they will come to your army have you heard this tafsir there are people say but truth really if you read the quran quran does not say that quran is saying something else what actually happening is ibrahim is not concerned that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make the dead alive he knows this thing. even i know everybody knows his concern people don't understand the question of ibrahim people think ibrahim is question is how, you know allah does you know i, I don't understand how can dead become alive this is not question ibrahim knows allah can make the dead alive his only question when allah does this what he does that dead become alive to allah said to ibrahim it is easy just take four birds surhunna ilayka speak to them until they become familiar to your voice all these birds like you know people who raise the birds to the birds recognize their voice to make them to recognize your voice they become familiar don't cut nothing cutting there and just put these birds in different direction and call them they will come running to you they know your voice they recognize you similarly in the day of judgment i will just speak call and all the soul and body they recognize me they will come to me running i the birds come to run that's all everyone knows me the nothing cutting in pieces and this and that but this is how people have done to me similarly for example you know people said that you know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked uh, angels to do sajda towards adam so they all the angels they bowed to adam they did sajda except iblis if you read the quran quran always say everything they knew was only they do sajda to allah have you seen this in the quran quran never accept any sajda to anyone other than allah quran keeps saying so just think really how is it possible that allah will command angels to do sajda to adam how is it possible just use your mind but people teach and people learn and all the people say keep seeing this what actually happening is you not sajda to adam allah is only saying now i create a creation i want to make celebration to do sajda to me because of this creation to say us judule adam do sajda to me for the sake of father to me not there reason because obvious sajda to allah that like you know sometimes you say if i pass the exam i will pray two rakat so do you pray two rakat for allah for exam for allah on that occasion on this occasion like when i sometimes when i say do sajda to sajda was to allah but on that occasion but people did not understand people think sajda was to adam to this mistake. and now you think you know quran is contradicting quran is contradicting because we did not make effort to understand the quran so that what happening is people read surah yusuf and then they say that you know this this woman you know she fell in love with yusuf alayhi salam but somehow yusuf alayhi salam is so pious he did not listen to her then all the women in egypt or noble women they start talking that you know how how stupid she is if we are there we easily can make any man to fall in our trap she doesn't know anything so she called them to show them that this man is different he is not what you think they came she made sofa for them gave them nice drink these women drank and now they are you know in good mood and then she asked yusuf alislam to come then he came to falamma raaynahu akbarnahu when these women saw yusuf akbarnahu that's a great man big thing وَقَطَّعَنَا أَيْدِيَهُنَّ And what they did? The people said they cut their hands. 
but it doesn't fit because nobody cuts their if people if the women cut their hands what will happen then doctors will come hospital will be there you know just cut her what will happen then all the story what after after that comes doesn't make any sense if they did this and they said this is going on it's long story after that the story does not finish if they think really if all the women they see hands for some person and they cut their hands the story will end there then after all the what quran said it will not continue so people say, oh, cut the hand, but it does not mean cut the hand. It means cut the finger. Okay, even cutting the finger is a big thing. If the women cut their fingers, can they, can they rip it all blood? Then it's seen to be something different. It can't, people can't sit there. They said they injured the finger. But Quran does not say injured. Quran used the word cut. And qattana, mubalaga, you know, cutting properly. And just think really, did it happen ever in the history of the mankind? A handsome man comes and the women cut the hand. Did it ever happen? Have you ever seen a woman cutting the hand because they have seen a handsome person? Did it ever happen? Or did it ever happen that men see a woman and they cut their hand? It never happened. Neither men cut the hand, neither women cut the hand. Cutting the hand does not happen. So just read actually what, what is happening there. What Quran is saying, instead of making all this cutting the hand, then nothing cutting the hand. The simple matter is, when Yusuf al-Islam came, these women are experts how to, you know, make the men fall in the trap and they know how to do. They're from, you know, good family, the learned women. So basically, they did all dirty things, which Quran cannot, Quran a book, you know, there's no single part of the Quran which I cannot teach to my daughters or sisters. So it is an amazing book. There's no book like that. Actually. If you teach Bible to the people, there are passages you can't read. So dirty. In, human, in Hindu script, there are so many things you can't read to the people. In the Quran, there is no single part which you cannot teach to the people. This part is dirty because these women, you know, they projected their body, maybe they become naked, they took off their clothes, they basically did every dirty thing. You can look at them and become attracted. So tell me, how can Quran say all these words? Is Quran going to say that they took off their clothes, they became naked, they, can Quran say all that? So what the best way for Quran say? Quran want to say they did all the tricks. So people do tricks with the hand. So expression is they cut their hands, meaning they finish all the tricks. Then nothing remains. Every single possible trick they had to make Yusuf to fall in the trap, they did finish. So if Quran said they cut their hands, means everything finished. Still Yusuf is there. Nothing happened to Yusuf. They could not influence Yusuf. Then they said, Mahada Bashara. He's not human being. All our tricks are for human being. This person not human being. And they said, you know, in Hada illa Bashara, he must be, in Hada illa Malak, he's an angel. Not even an angel. He must be a noble angel. Even angels could fall in our trap. He's a noble angel. This is what happened. But now people make all this thing. They cut the hand in their fingers and this and that. Which actually, every, when women read this, they'll be shocked that but this not happen. But they can't say anything. Because like you are saying that, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, if we use our mind, so people have divine knowledge different from the human mind. So sometimes people don't want to ask questions. I, I remember once in Cambridge, I was praying something. Some girls, I asked friends. So they say what you say, it about makes sense to us women. But we never dare to ask questions because people will say, no, no, Islam is different from your mind or reasoning. So they stop people from asking the question. Keep in mind that mind and religion, they never are in conflict. Never. Human reason and Allah's religion, they're never, never in conflict as a nature. No. If problem will be some understanding. Problem is human culture. 
when people make a culture that comes in conflict with the human nature with the religion everything but human reason and god's religion both are the same from allah they never can be in conflict then your second question was you know what made me to write this book maybe one inshallah now the publisher is saying in ramadan the book will be out you know in so many volumes so may allah make it easier you know simple reason really is you know it's uh, the story goes back in 94 something like that so i was reading you know some new british newspaper i think time or some there was a few articles about the women in islam so it uh, the article you know blames islam for women's uh, you know backwardness in islam and ignorance and this and that so it came to my mind really i have been studying hadith i know many women who are learned so if i can put their biographies together so it will be answer to this question and also it will encourage our sisters and daughters to seek knowledge so that was the case. nobody asked me to do just my on my own you know interest and then when i started researching keep 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 growing it is so many women i cannot imagine really nearly 10000 women just in one fil hadith and now still now i keep finding more names i don't write any more because the book is finished but just i'm saying so this is very recently in a time when in nowhere in the world women were so active you know this to teach actually this you to teach in the same madrasa and mosque where the men are there next to them actually sometimes two three teachers and um, and in the classroom like you sitting here in the classroom men women both sit together all the names are names of god they registered that tra- tradition has been added then that the class they would write all the names of attendees if you read the register it all men women together every single class has men and women together all of them the amazing thing really they should know all and the pious people are there but not a story of impious people it was a time when there no feminism you know if i write history of women in our time so people can say you are feminist still people accuse me but i'm saying you know, in those days where there no feminism you know 800 years back 900 1000 years back then nothing it all really people learning from each other men learn from the women women learn from the men and they respect then nothing disrespect and in the same classroom they sit together there was no barrier like you know you have made this barrier this barrier does not exist in islam neither in the prayer neither in the classroom no i never came across any single example in the history of this 10000 women where they made any barrier between men and women either in the prayer or in the classroom nothing it does not exist but they were pious people you know they come they learn together and then you know they fear allah the pious people they you know no doubt but at the same time the human they you know there's no barrier they learn from the same teacher they ask question you know and and they you know they discuss they argue you know imam, imam zuhri was the top man tabi you know he died in the year 124 after the hijra the prophet 124 so so early his teacher malik and all the big people in his biography they say when he was student he used to come into the classroom sit in the front when the teacher had left then he would discuss those issues with every man in the class and with every old women young women young girls in the class that was enough then they say he would go to every house and he would go to meet the old women young women even the girls who are kept hidden because they are going to get married because arab culture was when a girl is about to marry so they keep hiding for a while even he would go and meet with those girls to discuss with them zohri it is his biography that how he used to learn and people around him so you can see really in, in when they come knowledge don't need marriage people can learn from anybody is it clear okay if you, you have questions 
You know what happens? Uh, I think uh, in later on Islam, in some circles, I'm sitting in the you know University of Oxford, but I have to you know blame put all the blame on a big man of industry of the mankind, and he's Aristotle. He's a big man. I have no doubt. I respect him. I know we learn from him. But one thing he did, there are many mistakes he did. But one severe mistake he did, he was very negative about the women. Aristotle. He used to believe the women are inferior to the men. Women are not meant to learn. That's why in Greek philosophy, you never find any learned women. Never. They used to think women are inferior to the men. And one of the arguments he used to do is the reason, you know, the women have got less teeth compared to the men. So that is proof that women are inferior to the men. Historians say, historians of the science actually, they say, if you can read actually, if maybe you find out some of this online, they, they say he had two wives. He could count their teeth. Women have same teeth like men. This man who's so learned, who studied everything, does research for every single thing. Even he just took from you know society, people just say something about the women. He didn't care. He, he also repeated the same thing. That you know, philosophy has got this negative attitude. When philosophy came into Islam, Muslim philosophers also were arrogant. They thought philosophy just for us, not for women. Women just cooking and cleaning the house. We are philosophers, we learners. Islamic curriculum madrasa, they were banished. The philosophy was not so powerful. By later on, in some part of Muslim world, Iran, Persia, sometime India, philosophy became very, very powerful madrasa. When philosophy came, the mind of the ulama became that you know, women are inferior, they should not include, be included in the, in, the, in the madrasa. So that's how they are expelled women from the madrasa. Not in the beginning. In India, if you go to the old mosques, like 700 years old, in all the mosques, you find a section for the women. Until now, it is still there. But later on, when curriculum became more philosophy, they basically exclude the women from the curriculum. Except sometimes, like Walibullah Dehlvi, those who are influenced by the hadith, hadith allowed men and women both. They allowed, but generally, when the rational sciences were very powerful in the madrasas, they excluded the women. That's how it came. And until now, and people agree, have deep in mind, that women are inferior to the men. And that's how in Madrasa, like in all my studies there, it's more open. But you don't find any women there. They don't allow the women to learn there. It's in, in, impossible. And the argument that they make, uh, you know, that there's no women to be accepted. So for example, like, you know, why women have to be hidden? They can't come in public. To our teachers used to teach us, because, you know, if you have got in your house, you know, things and not precious, you project them, you open them, but things which are precious, like diamond, gold, what you do? Keep them hiding. So we are precious. So that's why we keep them hiding. Nobody can see. So this argument makes sense. Even Mawla Maududi, big people, they made this argument until now going on. When I start doing my research, then it strikes my mind, really, no, there's something wrong in this argument. Because this argument, what does really, it makes women equal to other objects. Women have life, they have will, they have mind. They can think what is good or bad. They can defend themselves. You make them like gold and silver. They can't defend themselves. They can't actually protect themselves. And then why should the Prophet? They used to go out. They were not hidden. Maryam al Islam walks in the city. People recognize her. People ask, oh, Maryam, what are you doing? They know her by face. You know, all these women they are known by face. There's something wrong. 
So then I changed. I said, no, this is not right. This argument is a very bad argument. This is not right. And there's no proof that women should be hidden. And I sometimes I ask the men, if the women are precious, you keep them hiding in the houses. The men are more precious. They should be put in the boxes. <laughs> this is the argument. Eh? Put all the men in the boxes because they are so precious. Will they accept? No. Nobody wants to accept this argument. This argument is only to make women silent, quiet. It works eh, in Madaratta, but it will not work in real society. Because people can see really the problem in this argument. So when you mix with other people, then you can see the weakness of your argument. So this is the problem really. And now, you know, when I started, I tell you, even my friends, big all of my, like in Saudi Arabia, everywhere, who actually respect me, they used to criticize me that, you know, how you allow the women, you know, in your classroom. Sometimes they make joke against me that, you know, Shah Karam allowed the women and this and so many things. But, you know, I, but still I used to make my position clear that why you allow. This time I went for Umrah. I met, went to meet a sheikh, big sheikh, he's my teacher. And the people reading there, uh, one of the important work of Hadith. And the first time I saw in his class of women. And, the, and one of the ladies, she was the one who reading. I was reading very fast, very nicely. So I, 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 I said to sheikh, now I'm happy that you're doing this. He was happy that I, I praised him, I praised the women. And I wrote about that in Saudi Arabia, in Makkah. First time I said, if it is not right, why they are doing now? And now they can see really, these women, they're pious, they want to learn, they want to, they are as good you know, in thinking as any man. You know, they don't have any defect in, in knowledge. They are as good as the men. They can raise questions. So it ought culture really. It, a culture was developed where the you know, culture was to keep women away. So Islam is against the culture. So there is never conflict between reason and between religion. The conflict is between the culture and the reason, or between the culture and the religion. So Muslim culture is different from Muslim religion. So always make effort. When some people say, no, this is Islam. No, it could be culture, not Islam. Islam is what is in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You have a question? Yeah, I have a couple of questions, one more practical one. I guess more theoretical. The first one is, if the main interpretations in the Quran that we've been presented with by a certain you know, segment of ulama that we've been experienced, that we've had the experience of taking knowledge from so far, um, don't make sense to, to us, um, and we're suddenly presented with this new view that does make sense to us, that works with our understanding of Islam, how can we then differentiate between whether it's the viewpoint that we're being presented with that's right or wrong, i.e. whether our understanding of Islam is right or wrong, or whether our rational thing is going right or wrong. So just to give you an example, um, uh, Surah Al-Baqarah 2, verse 282, the verse where it's the testimony of the woman, the contract. Yeah. Um, so the um, the explanation that I was given by a couple of people that I asked when I was younger when I came across this verse was that women are more emotional and so the, the interpretation that they, the sorry, the testimony that they bring forward is less valuable. But then, or it, they require two women in order to make up the you know testimony of one man. But later on, I went through it and I asked another another scholar a few years later, and he said, no, it's more than likely that this interpretation might mean something more along the, line, the lines of, at that time in their culture, these women weren't able to go forth and put testimony forward because of the culture of the Arabs at the time. Um, and the Quran came in and said, we're giving these, so you can have two women, i.e. if one woman, one woman is there, a second one should be there to support her just in case. She isn't used to giving testimony because prior to that they've been banned for. Anyway, this is just the example of an interpretation. Um, but the more general point that I'm trying to put forward is if there is an interpretation that seems to make more sense to us, 
how can we differentiate between whether it's our interpretation that's gone wrong or the what we're trying to interpret that's gone wrong? Yeah. You know, simple question is whenever you learn anything, how do you know to write? Tell me. Whenever you learn anything, leave Islam. You studying the university. Sometimes one interpretation, sometimes more than one. What makes you to think this is right? In any leave Islam, anything, any secular thing. How do you know something right? Yes. Just think what what you know. You use your own mind. Go to the you know real source, you know real argument. Sometimes two arguments can make sense. So you go deeper, compare them. And sometimes could be you can. Sometimes you can you really cannot understand. You think you know I made all of my effort and both look equal. So then you'll say really there are two strong opinions in this matter. Could be possible. We never say really when you use your mind, it always be one interpretation. No. When you use your mind about the Quran, generally if you make effort, will be one interpretation. But it also possible two different interpretation and both are equally valid. It could be possible two opinion. You know, Allah Subhanahu never made people that they always must be right. The command of Allah is you must make effort to be right. If you make effort and you do mistake, he will forgive. In any single thing, like in science, you know, scientists, whenever they make any finding, or any, sometimes they're right, sometimes wrong. Then next generation comes, they improve, correct, with more experience. So same thing when you learn from me, you discuss with somebody else, you meet, and he finds no, no, there's a weakness in this argument. Then you compare, oh, yeah, that's what he said, it more make more sense. You see, compared with three, four people, Gives you a better idea. And sometimes maybe some person says something, but you say, no, no, it's still what Sheikh said made more, make more sense. So people compare. So first thing is use your own mind. Reason. Seriously, sincerely, what makes more sense? Keeping in mind that Allah is the one who made men and women both. Now this verse, people make this interpretation, this interpretation, which one is more appropriate to Allah, because he's the creator, and he cannot, do, he cannot be unfair. What makes more fair treatment for the women? Keep together and see the two, three, four interpretation. One will, still maybe not necessarily you're right. One time to say you have to make effort to be right. So don't worry in this world. If you this attitude, you always must be only you know one opinion is right. You can't learn. It does. It, this does not exist in this world. In this world, you always find the truth really is always more than one interpretation, more than one opinion. Even things which are made by human being, leave out what made by Allah. Even by human being, more than one. Still, you have to make you cannot give up. Still, you need to make effort to find. And it could be possible. You can see people like Abu Hanifa, Malik, big, big people. And that discussing the matters which are there, the text which they are written there, is still the different. Same thing, somebody say haram, and like you know, when you come pray behind the Imam, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Ahmad Hanbal, all the ulama say reading Fatiha behind the Imam is obligatory. Alhamdulillah, if you don't read, your prayer is invalid. Imam Abu Hanifa says reading Fatiha behind the Imam is nearly haram. You see, the difference is not, you know, not wajib, haram. You get sin. It is same Quran, same Sunnah, no external influence. It's a Muslim society. It's a dominant Muslim society. They are the victorious. They are not weak. They are the one who empire. They, they, are the, they have the power. So it's not somebody else in Fulsa Abu Hanifa. It is Muslim society, pure Muslim society, except to the knowledge, is still these two conflicting ideas. And they until now exist. 
So I'm not saying that, you know, when you study the Quran Sunnah, always you agree. No, sometimes it could be interpreted differently, but you use the mind. And God, people ask Abu Yusuf, Abu Hanifa, the student, when Abu, Abu Hanifa died, who was more clever? You or your teacher? He said, Abu Hanifa clever more than me. So they said, then why do you differ from him? You know, if Abu Hanifa is more clever than you, so why do you differ from him? So he said, in the day of judgment, God will ask me a kind to my reasoning, not Abu Hanifa's reasoning. I am responsible for what I understand, not what he understands. If something makes true sense to me, Allah will say, then why didn't you do this? Then why could you ask? And you could be wrong. Allah will forgive. Quran said, in the lamam, those mistakes where people actually, it's not easy for the people, I'll forgive them. So I'm never saying that, you know, when you use your mind, you always be safe. Because people have different mind. But that is the best approach. Best thing for human being is to make effort. They can't do more than that. The problem when you become lazy and you think, oh, somebody said, I just accept. It doesn't make sense. It is big, it is very wrong attitude, really. Does not make sense, it's still you follow. And you think that Allah says, and then you blame Allah. No, always make effort to what even if what makes sense could be a mistake, it's still better than what does not make sense. Always understand. Because people must use the mind. That's why he gave the mind. And that's why he said in the Quran, don't you think? Don't use your mind. He keeps saying. And he said in the Quran, those people who don't use the mind, I make their mind polluted, dirty. If you don't use it, you become dirty. He said in the Quran, people must use the mind. The most noble thing that Allah has given to the human being is the mind. Most noble thing. There's nothing more noble for humanity than the mind. And you want to abandon the mind? No, a mind must be used. Certainly when you use it, sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree. Sometimes you'll be right and sometimes you'll sleep. Like, you know, when you have a leg, you walk, sometimes you fall. When you hear, uh, see with your eye, sometimes you do mistake. When you hear, do mistake. All human faculties are like that. Same mind. When a mind thinks, sometimes right, and sometimes, but still you have to follow the mind. As you follow your eye, as you follow your hearing, as you follow your taste, still you have to do actually, all these things, they have defect. But still you have to follow them. There's no way for human being except to use the mind. There's no way to find the truth. Only the mind. Mind is the only way to find the truth. People must use it and never be tired. Is it clear? About that, about that you raised the question. The truth really is, I've been teaching, you know, all Thursday and Friday, tired. This morning, tired. Now it was coming, I was not, didn't have courage to come here. Tomorrow I'm teaching whole day. The question that you ask, I answer the question so many times. If you can get recorded, you can learn. But otherwise, uh, next week I'm coming on Tuesday. And the topic is about feminism and the question. So if you ask again, I'll answer the question. So you can see really what Allah says, what people say. You can see, it's just read it. You know, truth of the matter is, you have heard all these interpretations. But one thing you do not do, I'll tell you. What you do not do is, just take that passage from the beginning and end and read yourself. You took from all the people, but you did not bother to read yourself. That was probably really. So people explain to you, and then you make comparing between interpretations. But you never think, does it make sense what, where it belongs to? You don't come to Book of Allah. That's the problem with you have three, four opinions, but these four opinions, they base on something. Go to read that, compare. Read Allah's book yourself. See what happening is. Read the Quran. And I said to people, read it yourself. If it does not make sense to you once, read a second time. 
third time, guys, this is another book is different from human book. So sometimes you need to read it twice, three times, four times, you need to make sense. So that's what you need to do. You got three interpretations. Okay, let me open the book. Read from beginning to the end. See what Allah wants to say. Does really Allah want to humiliate the women? Does he want to hurt them? Is the Quran a book hurting the women? To blame them? To make them inferior? Or is the book really respecting men and women both? Look, and then you read. You will see that there is a reasoning. And you will love really. That's why what Allah is saying. It's nothing to do with women being inferior, women being low, nothing. It's really in the favor of the women. It's actually defending everybody, putting everything in the right place. But it needs to understand what it's trying to say. So if we need to spend time. Any, any other question? Um, if I said that like Aristotle and Greek philosophy was one of the reasons for the decline of women education in Islam, why has that kind of persisted, even though we kind of um, reject that philosophy today? What's like made it keep its influence? Yeah, I was, once I was giving in a talk uh, at an university in, in Cardiff, in the university there, and there were Christians that come here. So when I, this question came, so I explained, so one Christian lady, she was a professor, that she stood up, she said, you are right. So exactly happens the same thing in Christianity. Greek philosophy made such an influence that women in, 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 in Christianity became inferior because of influence of that. Problem really, the madrasa still remain in the same influence. If you go to, because you people never study, I study madrasa. Until now, the madrasas don't teach the modern logic and philosophy. No, they still teach Greek logic and philosophy. Still, they insist on that. All the curriculum, everything in madrasas still are Greek. So when philosophy to them means Greek old philosophy, not new philosophy. Modern European philosophy does not exist in madrasas. Whatever European have done in the last 500 years does not exist in any madrasa. What they teach in madrasas is Basically, what Ibn Sina did, Ibn Sina Ghazali. So this was all extension of Greek logic and philosophy. Greek logic and philosophy still is the most respected rational knowledge in madrasas. So this is the problem. Unless people develop it, move like a European have moved, nothing will happen. But they don't make effort to do it. Madrasas, in, even, even in this country, you are in, in the West, this country, go to a madrasa, you will see. All the madrasas in this country, none of them teach any modern logic or modern philosophy. They don't teach any, any British philosopher. They don't teach any French philosopher. They only teach Ibn Sina. Greek logic, Greek philosophy, nothing else. Nothing else is being taught even now in madrasas here, even in America. You go to America and see madrasa, they still keep teaching in logic and philosophy taught by, even in this university, they used to teach Ibn Sina for a long time. But after that, they moved. But madrasas never moved. They're still there. That I always say, madrasas like a museum. When you go to museum, what happens? Parts is free. Madras, museum has no relevance to the society. When you come from museum out, what is different? Museum is different. Madrasa, uh, what is different? If you go to madrasa, parts is free. You love that because everybody loves museum. But when you come out, what is different? So that the people come to madrasa, they become impressed. All old things, but just museum. It has nothing to do with the, with the society. Religion must guide people in the society that they live in, in the time that they live in. Education. That's why education means education means to prepare people for the society and for the time that they live. That's why education means. If you education prepares you for the time of Aristotle, it's not education. Education means to prepare you for the society 
and for the time in which you live and for the future maybe if, if education does not do that it is not education but unfortunately many centers of learning in the world they don't prepare people for the society and time they live in they prepare or talk for other time they belong to different time they still are in the storage let us say unfortunately still we live in the storage in some part of the world even madrasa centers of learning No, if you, we may have any question, nothing. Okay. I have a practical question. So I, I'm leaving before Alan. I come a couple of years, but this is my philosophy is mm -hmm. this way: if there's a book that is issued and I read it and it doesn't follow my common sense, yeah. it's a waste So the steps forward would be going to another interpretation and going to another source and reading. If I don't. If I also go, if, if it doesn't come with my common sense, is the suggestion for me to reread this this verse within its context several times and understand, or do I read in order to be able to come up with an independent opinion? Do I still need knowledge of the Arabic language and the intricacies of Arabic language, knowledge of other scripts, other hadiths, other other that are related to this same topic? So do I simply reread, or do I need other things also to be able to come up with an independent answer? Yeah, this is a very good question, really, and I like to answer this before the part of prayer around six or this we have got time. Okay, I explain it in detail because this is an important question that how do we read the Quran? First thing you know, understand, Quran was not revealed to me or you. Is it clear? Did you receive revelation? No. Did I receive revelation? None of us received the revelation. Quran was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. That is historical fact. Nobody can change. Quran was received by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu So when you study the Quran, you have to have this first step. That how what is called shibbins. People are unfortunately forget. Like in University of Oxford, many orientalists, what mistake they do? They they don't apply the conditions of scholarship when it comes to Islam. They say it is Quran. Let me read. What what sense is make? This is never never scholarship. If you study Shakespeare, the scholarship is this is the book written by this man in this period of the history in this environment. What sense it makes to the people that time? Then you can what you learn. That was scholarship. You remove his time and his context, everything, you know, and you think this book is for us. You will misinterpret. Because many many expressions that time they have changed their meaning. Many words have changed their meaning. I'll give you an example, a simple example. The word laban. If you go to Middle East, they use the word laban. They mean yogurt. If you read Quran, Quran does not mean by laban yogurt. Quran means milk. Even simple things have changed. To change always happen. The right attitude is when you study the Quran. First thing you need to learn really. This book was revealed to Prophet Muhammad in his time. When this verse was revealed to him, what did he understand? That you need to force yourself to go back to fourteen hundred years back in the history, and that material is still exists. Meaning, it is not very clear. Still, you can force yourself to find out what the condition of Makkah, what is Medina, what the Prophet need help, why these verses came because Quran did not come to him or the whole. It came in pieces. This piece, when it was revealed to him. What what he wanted? What did he learn from that? Is it clear? 
So first step of the Quran is always that when the Quran was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, how did he receive it? How did he understand it? And how did he apply it to himself and to his people, to his condition? First step always. Force yourself. It's not easy. It's very difficult for the mind. Mind does not want to go to dig the language of that time, the society of that time, Arab culture of that time, what are Arab people doing at that time. Because when Quran speaks, like when Quran says about the women, they put on their khemar. Now you go to Sharikh, what khemar means? It means a covering. But look, go back. When Arab used to use what khemar in that time, what did they mean? Their poetry is still there. Their speech is there. So for every single thing in the Quran, first step always like a scholar, good scholar, honest person, I want to read this book. This book was revealed to this man in this part of the history. That was his condition. Let me understand what he understood. And when the Quran revealed what he did, the Quran tells him to do something and what he did, how he applied. Like people say, Quran said, strike the women. So let me read really. Did he ever strike any woman? He's the first person to obey the Quran. Did he ever hit any woman? His wife said, Aisha Ma Baraba Khadiman. The Prophet never hit any woman or any servant or any slave. He never hit anybody. So this you think if Quran commands him to hit, he does not hit, how can he win it? But that's what happened. His wife said he never hit anybody. Read all the literature, you never find any example of anyone hitting. Anas said, I served the Prophet 10 years, but he never hit me. And for anything that I did, he did not say to me, why did he do? For anything I did not do, he never said, why did he do? All the soft, so different. His treatment with the women is so different. It's nothing to do with any, any hitting or any, he treats them so differently. So anyway, I'm not going to do that. I just want to make clear really, that is the process of studying the Quran is very, very wrong in, in modern time. Learned people, University people, everybody does mistake. First step always is if you really are a scholar, read the Quran as the book of Prophet Muhammad. <coughs> book revealed to him in Makkah and Medina, commands him something. How does he understand and how does he apply? Is that everybody? Then second step is this book is also for me. Through him, but for me as well. How can I apply same thing to my life? Now another effort. So when Quran says something to him, Quran says that no, don't come to the prayer when you're drunk until you know what, what you say. Okay, people used to drink. In our time, maybe the people have got you know, many other drugs. We did not exist. But now apply the same as to my time. So all these drugs, they also affect my thinking. And Quran wants to be pure when I come to the prayer. Nothing can influence the mind. So you should understand what you say any drug, any of those things, all be same. So you read that, understand what the Prophet did. He, what he did? He forbade people from drinking the wine. It comes to me, so I say, okay, maybe I don't drink wine, but I take other drugs. But they also influence my mind. I should give them up. So second step is, then apply those verses to yourself, to your society, to your time. Is it clear? Then the third step, you understood, and I'm not going to make explain the same verse to other people who don't know what I know. Now uh, my duty is to make it easier in their language, in their culture. So three steps basically. If you're a teacher, three steps. The first thing is make effort to learn how the Prophet received the Quran, how he understood, and how he applied. Second step is 
then how I apply the same Quran to my life, to my understanding. Then the third step is how I'm going to explain the same thing to my audience. Because sometimes you, you, you know, people use the language to understand. That's the primary function of the language. So the language that you have for your understanding is not language of your people. They have different languages. Sometimes they even speak different languages. You have to make it easier for in their language. Maybe they speak English, but still the expression is different. Mind is different. If you do this thing, it is hard. But it's finding the truth always hard. Problem really is, you people study in Oxford. When it comes to your subject, you are so careful in all conditions and this thing and study all the day and night. When it comes to the Quran, so easy, so casual. Is it fair? Tell me really. For every subject, people are so careful. You know really if you do a mistake, go wrong, how bad it will be consequences. But when it comes to Quran, we don't even make basic effort. So tell me, how can Allah guide us? We need to be serious. It's a guidance. Any small error can actually cost you know, so much for us. So be careful. You know, follow the process. And what I'm saying to you, nothing to do with Quran, with any text, with any historical text like that, really. If you want to read Akbar's poetry, he was more, not very old. Still, you will not understand many, many parts. You need to know the Indian history of that time, Indian mind that time. Many expressions only could be clear if you know India. If you don't know India, it will not, not make sense. If you want to study Akbar, you need to know India. You need to know his time, his space, his condition, his, his context, his cortex, everything. When you know that, you understand what he's saying. Then after that, if you want to be more clever, how I can use this poetry to benefit our people. Yeah, you can do this. This is the second step. But first step is going back to the time of Iqbal and his context. First step for the Quran always must be going back to the time of Prophet Muhammad and to learn carefully, properly, how did he receive the Quran, how did he understand, and how did he apply the Quran. Is it clear? Yeah. And make effort, do this, and you will see you will learn so much you cannot imagine. Really. I myself have to do this, it helps so much. But if you make a direct between you and Allah, you will fail. Because Allah never revealed to me and you. We are not chosen people, simple matter. Really. We should, whether like we don't like, but truth is, we are not chosen to receive revelation. Chosen person, only one person, Muhammad. So we only guard the Quran through him. So this this is a historical fact, and this historical fact should be respected. Any other question? Are things clear? You know, you listen, analyze, discuss, but don't accept what I say. Never, this is not scholarship. Because I'm a teacher, I'm not a teacher, I said to people all the time, I don't want to make a group of followers or things like that. Nothing, I have no interest in the world really. I follow what Imam Shafi said. Imam Shafi, Rahmullah, used to say, I love people to learn from me, read my books, and then they forget me. I don't want them to know my name. Nothing. I have nothing, no interest in the world that people know my name and then know what I'm saying. Nothing. I just want you really to know your religion. I want you to connect with your Lord, your book. It is your book. Your Lord, you worship, you understand him. I just want to help. Like that was scholarship. Scholars are duty of scholars to help like a doctor. Doctors don't make a school. They only help people how to become healthy, how have energy, how same thing as scholars. Our duty is to help you how to understand, how to think. Then after that, we move away and between you and between the Quran. 
Is it clear? And if you make effort and you do mistake, still you are better than those people who don't make effort and don't do mistake. I tell you. Allah loves people when they make effort. In anything, when you make effort, you always chosen. That's why he gave us this faculty. Why he made all these things for us? We use them. That he wants, he wants you to use the mind. Use it. When he uses it, he loves it. That's why he said in the Quran, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنَ تَقْوِيمِ We created the mankind in the best structure. What means best structure? Means the, the function that they have, this structure suits it the best. Means your life needs using the mind. So I gave you mind. The best structure for the function that you have. And then she says in another verse, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ We created the mankind in hardship. Why hardship? Because to use the mind is hard. Most difficult thing in the world is to use the mind. Most difficult thing. That's why people love to follow someone. If I ask you to come to my house and I give the address to using the mind, if I say to you, just follow my car, which one do you prefer? Follow the car or follow the tram terminal, all these things, navigator. Why people follow that? Because the people don't want to use the mind. Using the mind is the most tiring thing. And Allah only guides people when they become tired. He wants you to be tired. He said, You created the mind in hardship. He wants you to be you know, in hardship. If you are not in hardship, you cannot be guided. You need to work hard. You need to make effort. Is it clear? Should we start now? If there are any other questions, ask it. I'm here. Then I'll leave. If there are no questions. Sorry? You got 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay, if you have any questions. Can you expand a bit on what you're saying about traveling? Does it help? You know, um, when you travel, you learn so much, really. First thing, you, you travel to a scholar, to a school, to university, to the college. It will be a new idea, new you know, environment. You learn from this new experience, but you meet new people. Human, every human being is basically a source of knowledge. You learn from everybody. If you open the mind, you learn from the tree, you learn from the star, from the moon. People really don't learn. You know, you pass by things, but you don't learn. See the poets, what they do. That's what poetry can help you. Poets can take lessons from small things. They see the tree, you know, they take a lesson. That was the one, you know, very nice poem, a poet, a poem by, by Akbar, in which the tree complains to a bird. That's how unfair is God. You know, he gave you wing, you can fly. You don't have much benefit to the universe. I'm a tree, fruits and this and that. If he had given me wing, I could fly and everybody benefit from me. How unfair is the world of God? Think really why he made roots for the tree. A tree cannot fly, but the birds fly. You know, you can see every creation is different from other. And every, something. Just think, compare. You know, when the light comes, how the light comes? You see, when the, if you open the window, light can come through the window, glasses can come through the door. But can light go around? It's possible, no? But how the water comes? Water can go around. You know, it doesn't come just through the, you know, it, anything you can find, you can go. 
why he made like that? Why light is this way? Why the water is working this way? You can just use the mind. Think really how to think about the people. You know how the pe people are, how they behave, how the food, how the people make the food differently. Always ask question. You know, in, you can learn something from Newton. To sitting next underneath of the tree, an apple falls. To an apple, for people like us, is just a food for the stomach. That's all we know. Really, like like a, like a peop, most people really treat the whole universe as a meadow, eating and drinking that's all. But for the, some people, the same thing is big fruit. It's food for the mind. So he could think really that you know, why I fell down, why I didn't go up, and then he discovered something useful for the humanity, such a big thing. But you should actually continue asking question. You should ask really that you know, okay, it fell down, which means there is gravity on the earth. But let me think really, who made this gravity? Did anyone make it? How it happened that the earth has got gravity? Who made and why he made what benefit there is? And this I tell we eat benefits. Who made it for us? We keep looking more and more at ocean. You can learn so much. But the problem really, I tell you really, knowledge in our time has become just a skill. You know, a skill? Like people used to make shoe, a skill. But no wisdom. Knowledge actually has been insulted, disrespected in our time more than any other time. Knowledgeable people only knew people have skill. They can make shoe, they can make this, they can make this. They, they never get wisdom. Knowledge in the past always used to mean to make you wise. You come and study, you become wise. In the real life, you're wise men. So knowledgeable people used to be wise, wise men of the, of the town and the city and the village. People come and learn from them, take advice from them. Now learned people have no advice. They have no wisdom at all because they only learn skill. You come to the university, narrow topic, focus on that, pass the exam, get degree, get the job. That's your function really. That does not affect your life. Then in anything other than that, you never think. Never use your mind. You, you are actually as stupid as anybody else. Other than that narrow scope, you are as stupid as anybody else in the world. Nothing. That, that learning does not make you clever. Does not make you wise. Why? Because you never learn how to use the mind. You don't learn. What you learn really is just a skill. Just how to fix this thing. That's all. Nothing else. That is very bad way of teaching. But that's how the world is now. Now you have to Think it in my life. I I learned that narrow thing, but I I want to be wise. Get out of touch with travel, meet other people, other culture. It will open your mind how other people think about the universe, how they learn. You know, come to the people who are old people. How then? You know, never learned any madrasa, any school, in a farmer in the village. How he thinks, what he experiences, it will make you wise. Otherwise, what happens when people just think? You know, learning means you know sitting in the classroom. Taking from a professor, going to lab, they become stupid. They won't get one skill, but they become stupid. They never learn how to use the mind. You need to use the mind. Meaning is, you need to become wise. Study means to become wiser. Problem is, people study, but they are not wise. Is that why, that why I'm trying to say that, you know, force yourself to meet many people, to take from them. Then you will see really you have to mind amazing thing. You can do so many things. Become, but people don't become wise, and that thing is the people think why studying Oxford, University of Oxford. So how can I, you know, I don't understand some simple thing because you never learn thinking, understanding. You only learn that skill 
you never learned how to use the mind. Something very easy, but you don't know. The reason is because you don't you don't use the mind. You know, you learn principles and application very narrowly. You never learn really. Same principle can be applied in 10, 20 more ways. But you only apply one principle to one application. That's how you learn the connection. Those principles always are more general. Same principles in other aspects of the life still can be applied. I can have another result, another lesson. But you never learn this thing. What you learn really is connection between one application and one principle narrowly. Nothing else. General ideas never help you. Because this is a bad way of learning. But that bad way of learning is so common in the world, basically everywhere, from India to China, from Europe, everywhere in the street, everywhere, people teach you in the same way. They never make, basically, you are not important. Simple matter. You are not important. What is important is what you produce, what you like a factory, you like a machine. Your skills are important, you are not important. They are no concern about you that you become better human being. The concern is that you can be part of a factory, part of a machine, part of a system. That's all. They know that nothing else. You are not more than that. After that, if you ruin your life, it is your problem. You know, understand. That's why you need to travel. You need to meet other people. You need to learn other people. Sit with the people who are not so learned. But they will give you more common wisdom. 